Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to What the Fab, a fans for Sports Network fantasy baseball show where there are no silly questions. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and as always, I'm here to break down what's going on in fantasy baseball with some of the greatest minds in the industry in a way that strives to demystify this wonderful event a bit while bridging the gap between your home league and the NFBC main event. Today, we're talking with Jeff Erickson. Jeff is RotoWire's senior editor, the host of RotoWire's Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM Radio, and honestly, just one of my favorite people to talk fantasy baseball with. I am so thrilled to welcome Jeff to the show as we try to make sense of the first month-ish of the fantasy baseball season. Welcome to What the Fab, Jeff. Hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Uh, you've been able to come on board to my show a couple times. Happy to do the same here. Uh, just like talking baseball. Yeah, I agree. It's the best. And frankly, I love having baseball back to be able to chat with some of my favorite friends about it. We're going to jump right in here because it has been an eventful month with all the rules changes, a lot of new dynamics going on in the sport. Before we get into that, let's just start with injuries this first little bit. One of the things that I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed the same, feels like starting pitchers are just kind of having some issues generally. They are dropping like flies. I don't know how much of this is the pitch clock. I don't know how much of this is the different rules or they're just, I mean, they're either injured or they are sporting 4.5, 5.5 ERAs. Jeff, what have you seen from starting pitchers so far? Oh man, it's been a nightmare out there. Uh, you know, runs are up, like you said, uh, although it last week was not as bad as it's been in previous weeks. I think maybe the colder weather had something to do with that there. I mean, we had snow before the Minnesota game, one of the games this weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it's been tough, and I think some of that is the the pitch clock rules. Some of that's the uh, shift limitation rules. Uh, I think teams that have been very good at shifting uh, and, and getting by, kind of hiding you know players, infielders without as much range. I think they're getting punished a little bit. Uh, your pitch to contact guys, uh, Miles Michaelis, for instance, is getting hurt a little bit more often. He wasn't as bad this weekend as he has been in his previous starts, but still. I have a lot of that in my life. So unfortunately, I should have been a little bit more prepared, I feel like. I feel like I've been catching up all season long, actually, to be frank. I, I feel like I've been a little behind on certain players, a little behind on and predicting. All we did in draft season is talk about the new rules, and yet I still feel like I'm catching up. I feel like I've been playing catch up too. I just dropped like $78 on Matt Strong chasing wins and K's. And I, if yeah. you had told me in January or February that I was going to be dropping 78 fab dollars on Matt Strong in the first week of the event, I would have been like, something has gone terribly wrong. But frankly, I don't even think it's that something has gone terribly wrong. It's that 
the guys that I drafted, I had a lot of Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs is oh. out for the season, which is devastating. That's really hard to make up. That was a ton of Ks. That was a ton of wins that I was hoping to garner there. And I, I, I mean, I it just doesn't exist on the waiver wire. I was fortunate that I drafted Tyler Glass now in a few places. So I'm hoping that he'll come back and be healthy. But I honestly, I mean, I don't know. Jacob deGrom has a wrist issue. Adam Wainwright has a groin issue. Robbie Ray has an elbow issue. Carlos Carrasco has a bone spurs issues in, in his shoulder. Max Scherzer is suspended for sticky stuff. Alex Wood hurt his hamstring. I mean, it just feels like everywhere you look, starting pitchers are dealing with struggles and injuries. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my, my worst team is uh, mixed labor, which we drafted in February, and I lost O'Neill Cruz, Corey Seager, Justin Verlander, Jeffrey Springs, Daniel Bard. Uh, just got news about Jordan Alvarez now got a bad back from carrying the whole Astros franchise. I think uh, he might be missing the three games in Tampa Bay. I, and I don't have a healthy hitter to replace him. Uh, you, you know, it's now we don't have like in week moves in that one. So I think it's probably better to roll the dice anyhow. But I wish I would have at least had an option. I, I don't even know how you go about replacing a hitter like your Dan. He is truly one of the greatest hitters in the league. And there's and there's just nowhere to go on the waiver wire for that right now. Maybe the Cubs will finally call up Matt Mervis and that can be somewhere where people can go to get some offense. But for whatever reason, Jed Hoyer doesn't seem inclined to do that. We can talk about that in a bit, but it's, it's not just pitchers position players are struggling too. And I have noticed that middle infielders, uh, shortstop and second baseman in particular, it is very difficult to find those dudes available on the waiver wire. And a lot of them are hurt right now. I don't know if it has to do with them covering more range as they make plays, if they're just not used to making some of those more athletic plays and they're and they're struggling a bit. But I mean, I thought I was pretty clever picking up Edmundo Sosa a couple of weeks ago for like six dollars instead of thirty six. And then he was on the I.L. almost immediately. Uh, what are you doing for these middle infield situations where it seems like a lot of guys are also dropping as fast as starting pitchers? Well, you know, it's fu so funny. We talk all draft season. Oh, shortstop's deep up top. Yes, it's deep up top. It's not deep after like pick shortstop 20 and if you i'm scrambling i traded in one league i traded lucas giolito for jorge mateo the aforementioned uh you know pirate ship team that's just dead uh you know at least i'm going to try to find a shortstop there i've got chris taylor who is uh two true outcomes either strikeout or home run but it's mostly strikeout um and he got hurt too by the way uh so that was fun uh you know it's just just trying i'm scrambling at least i could trade in that league uh, in leagues where you can't trade like the NFBC, trying to find a shortstop on the waiver wire, just really a miserable experience there. You're waiting for G1 Bay to get shortstop eligibility. You know, Rodolfo Castro has actually been kind of okay, but, you know, still. Um, that That's that's like the heights of what's been available. I've been having to suffer for some of those depths. I have some SOS in my life as well, too, and it, it's not been fun. Yeah, trade leagues. I mean, I would be searching for middle infielders right now, but I bet you have to pay a pretty penny uh, for any mm -hmm. trade that you were going to make for a middle infielder at this point in time. I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to some problematic positions because it's not just the middle infield position. It feels like outfield and catcher is just nowhere near as deep at the moment, too. And the outfield instance is because there's so many platoons that when a guy goes down, it's not like you can replace him with a left fielder who is starting every day. You've got to pick like the strong side of a platoon and a guy who is only going to bat against right-handers or only going to bat against left-handers. And you're you're really almost streaming off the waiver wire in those outfield positions trying to find somebody who is going to get you at bats for a week. Yeah, you are. And uh, it, it's really a matter of just kind of digging in there and trying to find what you can find. Like, OK, they've got seven games. Will they start five of them? OK, great. That's good enough. I'll go with that. 
And, and that has to be good enough at this point in time because there's not guys who are going to get start every day on the waiver wire. Like there's a handful of dudes who might still get called up, but it doesn't seem well, it feels like the next best thing you can do is just find the strong side of that platoon and pray. Yeah. And I lost Garrett Mitchell in one of the, my main event teams and I I'm heavy in Garrett Mitchell too this year. So that was fun. Uh, but I, I lost I, him in tout wars. Yeah, it's tough. It's so rough when that happens. I, so I picked up Jaron Duran and is this a mirage? I mean, no, yes, it is a mirage. He's not going to hit 360. We know this. Uh, but is he better than he was last year? Is there a little bit more, uh, ba- better, a little bit of a better batting eye? Is he going to play the position better? I mean, one of the things we always overlook is the defensive side of things because we can't quantify it for our fantasy leagues. But defense earns playing time. And, it does. And, you know, Duran is a perfect example of that last year. After that inside the park home run that uh, he he kind of allowed by missing the play and not hustling after it there, it kind of fell out of favor with the Red Sox. Maybe he's grown up a little bit more now. Maybe he's going to – he's earned their trust. Because really, Kiki Hernandez is a good hitter, a good shortstop. I don't think he should be in center field. You know, I, I don't think Rymel Tapia should be in center field. I don't think – I don't think uh, even when Adam Duvall comes back, I don't think he should be in center field. So Duran has a chance to earn a spot here. I was stunned that they were playing Adam Duvall in center field. I have watched Adam Duvall play outfield for a long time, and, yep. and, and he is not a center fielder now. The the swing absolutely plays at Fenway, and I was mm-hmm. uh, I had picked up Adam Duvall in a couple of 12-team leagues, and he was really helping me in offense and home runs before he went down. So come back soon, Adam Duvall, and keep that spray chart the same so that you can get some more of those bombs at Fenway Park. The other place that I'm really hurting at the moment, I had a bunch of Logan O'Hoppy shares and uh, catcher is just, I I honestly didn't know what to do. I was staring down the barrel of a bunch of like Jose Trevino and uh, Martin Maldonado and Jan Gomes. And I'm just like, none of this is, none of this is particularly uh, enthusiastic. I'm not enthusiastic about any of it. I I wound up just going with Chad Wallach and like, he's going to be the guy to play while Logan O'Hoppy and Max Stassi are on the IL. So hope I, I sort of figured Go with what you don't know and see if it's maybe got some upside. <laughs> I hear you. I, I was living in that world when I was trying to face uh, Travis Darno uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's, it's the exact same problem. Uh, Jason Delay. Ooh, okay. Can't wait to get him. You know, uh, yeah. Like that was the same weekend that Francisco Alvarez got called up, and we're like, oh yes, except we're gonna wait three weeks before he's a catcher. Uh, and you know, thanks, Mets, uh, for taking your time on that one there. But even then, I didn't get Alvarez. I got outbid. Still, I, I mean, I. And the thing is. The, pro- the, the perverse problem we had is, okay, it's great if you could go get him, but then you need somebody right now and, you know, you can't use him there. Then you're tying up another spot at UT. So that was tricky. Uh, it, it's tough in the deeper leagues. Now, if you're in a one catcher league, which I, for at one, you know, we always take a lot of pride in playing in these deep leagues, right? Two catcher leagues, 15 team mix, NO only, AL only with two catchers. Okay. That's great and all until you lose one of those players. And then you're like, oh, oh, one catcher league sounds pretty good right now. I, I have a handful of one catcher head to head leagues and I, I'm feeling much better in those leagues than I am in other places. Although I will say I have a 10 team uh, Roto league. That's kind of one of my home leagues that I've been playing with friends for decades now. And uh, in that league, I, I couldn't find a shortstop. Like I wound up picking up Ezekiel Tovar off the waiver wire because all the shortstops mm-hmm. are gone in that league too, because they're all hurt and they're all sitting on the IL and they're all sitting out in people's lineup right now. It is just bleak. Uh, at middle infielder, catcher, and outfielder at the moment. So do what you have to. Find your platoons. Get as much playing time as you can. And, and I guess write some hot streaks. We're streaming We're streaming position players this year. That's the, that's the upside. Yeah. Well, and some of that's the roster management, too. I mean, when we carry 13, 14 pitchers, major league teams do, 
guess what? They're not platooning as much. They're not ca- having the extra bats up in the lineup. Gone are the days of Earl Weaver having a platoon at three different spots. I mean, the Rays still find a way to platoon everywhere. I don't know how they manage it, but uh, you know, everybody else, it seems like, yeah, it's it, it, good luck trying to find that extra hitter. Uh, well, I'm an AL tout wars. You were mentioning tout wars and there's like eight players that got at bats last week that weren't catchers. Like really, you know, backup catchers at that. Yeah, it. I, I've noticed that in a handful of places. I just started um, doing some work at Baseball HQ, writing the Playing Time Tomorrow column for the NL East. And as I was looking at a handful of those lineups, like the Nationals just don't cycle guys in and out much at all, except for handedness. Uh, that's it. Like it's like we're facing a lefty, we're facing a righty, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much all they do. And then their backup catcher gets a spot start here or there. Uh, and it is just the lineup that is what they're rolling with. And so you can get some playing time off the nationals lineup, but you're not going to get a lot of counting stats because the runs and RBIs are just not to be had there. Although you can get playing time for sure. Yeah. My Joey Manessa shares uh, acknowledge that fact. Unfortunately, he, he is heating up heating a little up. bit. Yeah. I'm hoping he's heating up. I've got a couple of Joey Manessa shares yeah. as well. Let's talk about the big news of the week before we jump in uh, to some ways that RotoWire tools can help you manage your team this season and help you b- make sure that you are on top of all of the best player moves that you can make in your league. But before we do, sticky stuff is a thing again. I was at the game at Yankee Stadium where Domingo Herman got called out, had to like wash his hands, come back, uh, Rocco Baldelli got booted. And then less than a week later, we've got Max Scherzer in the exact same situation. And Scherzer not only gets ejected from this game, he gets suspended for 10 games for a sticky stuff violation. He swears all he did was use some alcohol and some rosin. I thought it was really interesting to watch what David Cohn said about this on the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball broadcast that is up on Twitter. You can We'll link it in the show notes, but you can find it um, out there if you haven't seen it already. What is your take on the sticky stuff situation? Jeff, I feel like every time we talk, there's something going on with the ball. There's something going on with the rules. There's something going on with sticky stuff. It's like we can't even get the basics of this game correct. Well, didn't they say it was going to kind of be a point of emphasis again, that they they would check on that there? So unfortunately, it seemed like, you know, Baldelli had a real legitimate case in the case of Domingo Herman. Uh, Scherzer, he kind of told on himself in a little way. Remember he said he, he cleaned his hands with rubbing alcohol. Apparently alcohol, I was hearing another commentator and forgive me for not knowing the source, but he was saying that the rubbing alcohol actually triggers the rosin. It makes it stickier. It doesn't actually wash it off. You know, you actually need to use water, uh, but who knew, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it yeah, it made it worse. <laughs> Which I don't know the science for this, but some of our friends who are fantasy baseball experts on Twitter do. And and you can see people playing around with this. They've got balls just like sticking to their fingers, yeah. defying gravity off nothing but alcohol and rosin. And that appears to be what MLB told these pitchers to do. Yeah, it's crazy. It is really crazy. Uh, but, you know, and then you get a lot of hitters like, oh, I don't want to get hit. So, you know, like that. But yeah. The funny thing is that Scherzer's spin rates in that game were about the same as they've been all year. It wasn't like he was getting any extra spin uh, from the stickiness in that particular start, which either means he wasn't benefiting from it that day or he's been doing that way all along. And honestly, either one of those things could be true. In my opinion, we're looking at a situation where, at least in the Scherzer instance, it looks like Phil Cuzzy is kind of a dude who wants to be at the forefront of mm-hmm. enforcement here. The only guys who have been ejected from games in the past uh, couple of years with sticky stuff violations were also games where Phil Cuzzy was behind the plate. And so it's one of these situations where 
that really sucks for the Mets who have pitching woes already. It provides an opportunity for some guys like Joey Lucchese, uh, David Peterson, Tyler McGill are going to get to hold their rotation spots while the Mets sort of try to deal with the fact that their entire starting rotation, with the exception of Kodai Singa, is either suspended or on the IL right. at the moment. However, you don't love seeing umpires take it upon themselves to inject themselves in the game in ways that have pretty serious consequences and a 10 game suspension for a pitcher of the caliber of Max Scherzer has a huge consequence for fantasy players and a huge consequence for the New York Mets. Sarah, I do go to the ballpark to see Phil Cuzzy ump. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> you are the one. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're no. the one. <laughs> All three. It's it's amazing that he he's the only one that seems to got the memo that it's uh, that or that he's interpreting that memo differently there. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I almost feel like, you know, Scherzer, he was doing that the, the whole like playing around with the pitch clock rules and trying to gain an advantage in spring training and talking about it openly. Like, he seems like he's also the smartest guy in the room too. And um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's like he, yeah, it's a time honored baseball tradition and life tradition to push envelopes, right? Uh, that we are always looking for edges in life and baseball and everywhere else. Uh, there, there, some people adhere to lines a little bit better than others. And perhaps he might've got caught. He might have gotten caught. I, I actually, the I was more suspicious of Domingo Herman based on the spin rates yeah. that we were looking at than I was of Max Scherzer. But uh, touche, he might have just gotten caught. Even outside of sticky stuff and whatever else is going on, the new rules do seem to have increased uh, offense across the board. Home runs are up. Stolen bases are up. Everything is up except tri triples, according to the data that is out there. And this is great news for our offenses, but it's terrible news for our pitching. Is a 4.5 ERA the new 3.5 ERA as far as you're concerned for a starting pitcher? I, I want to wait to see what the summer months bring before really jumping into that. But it is noteworthy that the kind of we've seen we've seen a decline in the last week or so. Like at one point in time, I think home runs were like at 1.2 per team per game, down to 1.13 heading into tonight's action. So uh, you know, it, it is we did have that cold week as well. We had Cleveland at home. We had Minnesota at home. We had, you know, didn't seem to apply to Wrigley field. They have plenty of home runs there, but uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, I, I feel like there, you know, it's going to be a little ebbs and flows here and there, and you know, teams are going to adjust. Pitchers are going to adjust, but I am concerned. The big concern I have is the pitch clock and what it does to pitcher recovery time. You mentioned the injuries earlier and you mentioned like, just, I, I, I think that that's one of the things like, Okay, now they've had 10 starts under these rules. Now what's the long-term health effects? How quickly they, can they recover? Are there more injuries? Do they back off their velocity a little bit? That might actually be an unintended positive consequence, actually, in a way, if we like offense. Uh, because we've seen velocity increase consistently for 20 years. And with that, strikeout rates up, batting averages down, and all that, all that goes with that. Yeah, I think you're right that uh, velo might decline a little bit. And, and if it doesn't, you know, Pitchers being on the IL means that you're going to get a lot of guys called up from AAA who are the number right. six, number seven guy in their organization. And frankly, like it is not impossible for those dudes to have a great start or two, but it is unlikely that they are going to sustain it over the course of a month while somebody is on the IL or something like that. So I think that that could boost offensive numbers as well. Another thing that is boosting offense, and you mentioned Wrigley Field, so this is definitely a place where the Cubs have struggled a bit, uh, is these bullpen situations where there's just not a solid back end of the bullpen, the Cubs have been sort of, you know, going back and forth between Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger. Fulmer got absolutely blown up in the last week. I don't think he has that job anymore. I think that Boxberger is going to get a shot, but Boxberger hasn't looked outstanding either. Jeremiah Estrada got a call up there. I like Jeremiah Estrada a lot. Um, 
Also a big fan of Adbert Alzali, who I think could make a run there, although he still gets blown up by lefties a bit. So maybe like an Alzali Hughes closer platoon type of thing there. But it's not just the Cubs, the Astros. And I have a lot of shares of Ryan Presley. I, oh, I, was, I thought I was goodness. being so clever we taking the last, Twitter, of the, yeah. the last of the solid closers. And this is not working out well for me at all, Jeff. I am. I'm like, can Ryan Presley get a save? How about we get at two saves? How yeah. we come out in save situations? That would we be did great. have happy Ryan Presley save day for those who celebrated <laughs> uh, last week. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, he was unavailable on Sunday. And Dusty Baker goes, he's. I was told he was a little sore. Yeah, that helps us. That helps us a lot for this upcoming week trying to set our lineups too. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. But now, in the event that there is really something wrong with Ryan Presley, who do you like better? Do you like Abreu better? Do you like uh, uh, you know they they have multiple options? Are Montero, who got all the saves last year, who do you like? I've got Montero and Otterneu, which is one of the places where I have Ryan Presley. Um, I tried to pick up a Brayu everywhere I could this week, and he was already gone. There was yeah. no shot of getting a Brayu. I did wind up getting a handful of Adam Adovino shares uh, in Glarf and in uh, TGFBI, I think, two of mm -hmm. my NFBC leagues. I don't remember if it was those two leagues particularly, but I know it was on the NFBC. And um, that's an interesting situation, too, because you've got David Robertson and Adam Adovino basically splitting this closing gig for the Mets, but for whatever reason, they're not using the other guy really as an eighth inning guy. They're trying to throw Drew Smith in there, and we all saw how well that worked out for them in on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, I got a little snarky with that on Twitter yesterday too. Uh, something, something, Buck Walter not using his best relievers or something like that. And <laughs> one Mets fan really got mad at me for that. It's like, hey, it's been this. It's not like Ottavino doesn't give up more. It's like easy. It's just being snarky, you know. It's all right. Uh, but um, yeah, and that's that's part of modern bullpen management too that we're having to deal with. There is okay, well. I don't view Buck as that sort of type of manager, but he kind of views Smith as an equal to those two relievers. I, I don't, but uh, so be it. Uh, I do have a little bit of Adovino. I got shut out on Robertson. Uh, in fact, we were doing the Rotowire Staff Keeper League auction during the game where uh, Diaz got hurt in the celebration afterward there. And so, we, you know, Adovino went for two, and Robertson, this is an 18-team mixed league, and it's a keeper league too. Uh, and, and Diaz was already kept. Uh, and then I think Robertson went for five and that feels like a pretty good bargain. Although now the auto auto vino for two is feeling decent too. That's for sure. Yeah. The other bullpen I'm keeping an eye on cause I have a little bit of Scott Barlow is this Royal situation oh. with Barlow and Chapman. And, and part of the problem there is the Royals just don't get save opportunities. So it's very difficult to tell who will get the save opportunity once every two weeks when the Royals have a lead in the ninth. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was telling though, that Chapman pitched the seventh against the angels. Uh, or I think that was in the Friday game. Maybe it was the Saturday game. Uh, and Barlow did pitch a perfect ninth to get the save after uh, Cavedo uh, just absolutely uh absolutely uh, quixote excuse me uh, absolutely blew up on saturday um that was but he had, was great on friday it's like that's another uh, problematic bullpen too while we're at it yeah the angels absolutely having some issues over there i have quixote in a couple of leagues i got him just in time for that blown save to show up in my ratios good stuff but we're here today uh, to talk through some early season team management and tools. And honestly, Jeff, Rotowire has some of the best tools in the business. It's one of the places that I go for all sorts of things. I use your probable pitchers grid obsessively. I always listen to the Two Start podcast. I always listen to your and Scott's Fab Show on Sunday. And we're going to get into each of those tools as resources that people should be keeping in mind as they're looking at their season. But before that, I want to I ask just sort of a meta question. How are you identifying dudes early with you know, four weeks ish of data here in the early going 
that you are excited about. You're glad they're on you're on they're on your team. You want to pick them up in fab. Do we have enough information to identify some of those dudes? I, I mean, I think we have to act is the problem. We wait to be wait to be proven doesn't work, you know, because it's by the time we're cons, you know we're we're uh, assured that they have the job or they're for real or all of that, they're already picked up. So we have to kind of go on half half bits of information. I think that's the tricky part. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just looking at roles. You try to find like, okay, increases in velocity for pitchers. You know, you look for, you know, is the batter making harder contact and all that. But sometimes you don't know if that's stable. And it just might be that you had a series against the Oakland A's. Um, and I'm uh, sorry, Scott. Uh, but I thought you were uh, talking about the Cubs, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you don't want to talk about a bad bullpen. Oh, my, my goodness. The A's are just, oh. Legend. I mean, this this is epic. I mean, this is like you know, you're looking at guys with eight, nine, ten ERAs out of that bullpen right now. That's why my bids uh, this weekend on uh, Mason Miller were so tempered, is because he's not going to get any support from the bullpen whatsoever, uh, and he may not only go five innings at a shot. So uh, that, that I was a little concerned with uh, that aspect of it. But I, I mean. <sighs> I, I, I'm like everybody else trying to struggle, trying to throw things at the wall and see what sticks a lot of times. I I try to avoid the big sweeping bid, although because like like two a week and a half ago or 10 day, eight days ago, we had three big names. We had Taj Bradley, Edward Julian and Zach Neto. Neto has one extra base hit since then. Uh, Julian has been sent down one day. He's batting third. The next day he's sent down. I think he'll be back up. But, you know, can we wait that out? Only Bradley so far has been worth it. And that's one start that we've gotten out of him. So, I mean, that was a one start against the Reds who have had like one hit and runners in scoring position since then. So, I mean, it, it, it's, you want to believe in that, but I mean, that that's where we can't really, as Scott Pianowski always likes to say, wait for, wait for proof is a bad strategy, but at the same time, it's not exactly conclusive that we've won either. I really like what you said there about both waiting and not waiting, right? Like, yeah. and, and I th- I know those two things are diametrically opposed, but a couple of examples of things that have worked well so far in my leagues, you know, I identified early, I needed a corner infield infielder for some reason. I don't remember why, but I knew Patrick Wisdom was going to get a shot at playing time. And I also knew he had legit power. So I was just like, well, I'm just going to take the hit on batting average. And I know he strikes out a lot, but he's got the job. So I'm going to see what he can do. That obviously worked out incredibly well. He's sitting on eight home runs for the season. And, and that power is real. They, Patrick Wisdom could easily put up a 40 home run season. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I watched him set the Cubs rookie home run record in like two thirds of a season after the trade deadline in mm-hmm. 2021. And so, you know, he can do that. That's a $6 bid. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. I watched Anthony Volpe go for $502 in Tout Wars in the early bidding. And like, no shade. I get it. He's like, he won the Yankees job outright and he's going to play and he could be the next Hall of Fame type of guy for the Yankees. But he's hitting like under 200 right now with three steals. I don't know that that is the guy that you wanted to spend half of your fab on. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got more steals than that. But Oh, he probably uh, has more than that I think now. he's got like I, I nine, a- eight or nine okay. steal bases. So, so the- so my bad on steals. <laughs> yeah, that's okay though. But I mean, your your point still remains. He's not hitting very well. Um, and the all the Yankees young guys, Peraza, Cabrera, are also struggling a little bit. Joe Sheehan was writing about that a little bit. Will the Yankees have the patience to stick with them when they get these injured guys back? But uh, and I think it's interesting. You know, with the case of OP, okay, we're going to go with pedigree. We're going to say, okay, he's everybody's top ten prospect, right? So that's why, and it showed that you guys drafted way early. Uh, that he was even available because I mean we're. We're picking, you know, later on, you're seeing $200 bids on Neto, who is, okay, a good prospect, but no one saw this coming, that he'd get, like, two weeks in double A and then get the call. Uh, 
and he's skipping AAA entirely too, by the way. So that's, I mean, you're taking a big risk that he can be able to handle it. Well, um, and just to be clear, uh, Volpe hitting 188 with eight steals. So my dad, I was definitely shorting him on steals there for, but I think he had a three steal game is what I was thinking. Yeah. But I, um, you're absolutely right on Neto. And, and, you know, skipping a level is always tricky because we mm-hmm. saw what that did with what Christopher Morell did with that last year, right? Like he has all of the tools and they're very loud. He's absolutely raking in AAA right now. I would love the Cubs to bring him up, but he also struck out like 38% of the time. And that's the mm-hmm. reason he's in AAA right now trying to figure out how to harness uh, that, how to harness some control so that he can put those tools into action and get regular playing time with the Cubs again. And so it, it is tricky. It's like, do you, do you want a $6 guy who's thirty in his 30s but has the job, or do you want the shiny new object that's going to cost you $200, $300 in fab? And that's where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's always a, a lot of pressure. And then you got to maintain that fab for the rest of the year too. Uh, you know, I, I play in labor, which we have a hundred dollar fab budget, not a thousand. So it's less granular. Uh, you can't trade fab budget. You can't, uh, you know, there's no $0 bid. So when you're done, you're done. And you can't be going and spending 20% of your budget on a speculative guy like that. You just can't. Um, it's really hard to pull off. Um, so that's it, even harder to do. Uh, so it, it's, it's really tricky. Now I wanted to ask you, uh, Morel, I mean, he, he is hitting well, but where's this place to play? Same thing with Mervis. I mean, I guess you could boot Hosmer, but Mancini's still got to play somewhere. Their three outfielders are all pretty good. Where, where's their room in the inn? Well, for Matt Mervis for a second, let me just say, the first base situation for the Cubs has been a black hole. Yeah. Uh, Eric Hosmer is, you know, whatever Eric Hosmer is. Like, he hits a lot of ground balls. He doesn't get on base at a particularly heavy clip. I mean, I think he's got a handful of extra base hits in the last few weeks, but it's really nothing to write home about. I think I saw the last time I looked, the Cubs are getting a WRC plus of somewhere between 60 and 70 out of their first base slot right now. And that is unbelievably pathetic when they have a dude who is not only raking in AAA, like I think Mervis already has six or seven home runs, but he's also walking 20% of the time and striking out less than that because nobody is throwing him pitches anymore. He has, he has mastered the level. He was one of the league leaders in home runs in the minors last season. He already did AAA and proved he could do it. I, I don't understand how you can claim you're being a competitive team and not call him up to solve your first base problem when it's the worst position that you're fielding by far. In the case of Morel, it's a little bit trickier. I think the Cubs are doing two things. One, I think they want to uh, reestablish some value for Nick Madrigal because that's the spot that I think that Morel would take right now. I would rather see Christopher Morel up Me than too. Nick Madrigal. It's it, it, no offense to Nick Madrigal. He is definitely hitting well this season so far, but there's almost, there's no power there, right? Like he is what ne- people thought Nico Horner was. And Nico's not that dude. Nico steals a lot. Nico hits for a little bit of power. Nico's hitting like 360 with two home runs and nine stolen bases right now, which is outstanding. You'll take that every single day. Nick Madrigal's not that dude. Um, and so I think they're trying to reestablish Madrigal's value, hope somebody will give them something back for him at some point in time, and then Morel gets that spot. Um, but frankly, I don't – do we believe in Trey Mancini? Because I do not. Like, I don't have a lot of shares of Mancini. I think he struggled with the Astros. I think he's struggling again with the Cubs. I don't know how long that leash is. I know they signed him to a two-year deal. But if Trey Mancini is going to be the reason that they don't call up Christopher Morel, who is – he put up an 89% barrel rate and a 91% sprint speed with a 99% arm, arm strength 
last season skipping triple A. If the K's are under control, you call that kid up because he has light tower power and he can throw and he can run and he can play. Yeah, and I was always baffled why they had to sign both Hosmer and Mancini to begin with there. I don't know how much veteran leadershipness do you need from uh, you know that you know one guy sh- should be able to exude enough for the cover of the clubhouse. I don't need I don't think you need to platoon veteran leadership there. Uh, I'd rather them actually have someone that can play. Um, so we'll see. I, I think Morel should be up right now. I agree, and I've been holding on to him. I have to. Um, in terms of the roster spots, the two spots that the Cubs have that are mind boggling to me right now are Luis Torrens. They're carrying three catchers right. for hashtag reasons. I'm like, why? And Edwin Rios, who, as far as I can tell, is just like a it's like Patrick Wisdom light from the other side. Like they wanted to platoon Rios and Wisdom or something. And now Wisdom is doing so well that they don't really have that opportunity. So those are the two roster spots that I think could clear. But in terms of playing time, I just really think first base and their designated hitter position are where Morrell and Mervis should both slot in. And frankly, I'm, I, I, I find it disingenuous when Jed Hoyer claims they are trying to win with both of those dudes currently in AAA. Um, just for the record, Christopher Morrell, 83 plate appearances in AAA so far this season. He's slashing 333, 446, 768 with seven home runs. His ISO uh, is 435 and his WRC+. plus is at 199. Now he is still striking out quite a bit. And I imagine that that is something that the Cubs want him to work on. So if that K rate dips down, I think you will see Christopher Morella fairly soon. And then Matt Mervis, who, again, like I said, triple a one more time, he's had 83 plate appearances as well. He has five home runs. He's slashing 288, 410, 576 with an ISO of 288 and a WRC plus of 145. So I really, I, I don't know how you claim you're trying to compete when both of those guys are in AAA, they're both raking and you have spots you could play them. Yeah. And Morel's already on the 40, man. There's no reason uh, to hold him down service time wise. I mean, I, there really shouldn't be a reason for Mervis either, but I mean, we're, we're in, in today's era. There's no, no reason for that. And the Cubs are good. I mean, the Cardinals are, are struggling. Uh, let, let's, if you're the, if you're the Cubs, you got to take advantage of it while they're down. Absolutely. I mean, the Pirates are in first place in the division right now. That is what's going on in the NL Central. And the Cubs are like, no, we're just going to leave our talent in AAA. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, uh, we're going to talk about when you make uh, cut decisions for your roster. I know it's early, but you got to cut at some point in time. And you can fall behind really fast if you're not making those decisions at the right time. We are also going to talk about how we are making decisions, some of the tools that are available at RotoWire that can help you make those decisions for your league. Um, But first, a quick break. And we are back. So I have already made the hard decision to cut a handful of guys. Um, Shamanaya off my roster. I, I don't like the peripherals and way th- where they were going at all. I also had to cut Taiwan Walker, which I really didn't want to do because he's kind of an innings horse. And I like him as a guy that you can just plug in when you need a start and you're not looking to get your ratios blown up. But I didn't have the roster spot for him. Who are some cuts that you have made in the early going, Jeff and why? I mean, I, I think you, you talked about, I mean, I, I've been looking at Walker too. I have him some leagues. Like, do I start him? Do I bench him? If I can't start him, should I cut him? You know, th- those are sort of some of the tough calls you have to make. Uh, but I think you can't get paralyzed by that. I think the whole thing is you're going to break some eggs. You're going to make some mistakes. Um, but not going after that player on the waiver wire that you see as someone you want to get because this other guy, you can't afford to cut him. That is a losing decision in the long run. Uh, you know, the opportunity to cost of not picking up that, uh, that guy, not opening door number three. Um, I think you need to do that. I think you need to do that all the time. So, uh, that's a tricky part. I'm trying to pull up uh, some of my cuts this week here. That'll be uh, kind of a, 
you know, see who else I, I had to part ways with because yeah, it's tough. Um, well, while you're pulling those guys up, I'll tell you a couple more of mine parted ways with Matt Beerling. I didn't really want to part ways with yeah, Matt Beerling, but I had a chance to get Brett Beatty and that seemed like a opportunity cost that I just couldn't pass up. I, I cut Chris Taylor for Mauricio Dubon in a couple of leagues last week. Mauricio Dubon is leading off for the Astros and he's just got better peripherals all around than Taylor. Taylor can get you a few more home runs, but Dubon just does not strike out hitting leadoff for the Astros and he's hitting over 300 and they play similar positions with similar position flexibility. So that seemed like a no brainer to me. Yeah. Uh, failed relief speculation plays has been one of my specialties this year. Uh, Scott McGuff is a guy that I've been looking forward to cutting in a lot of places, unfortunately, uh, including one uh, where I, you know, I pumped him up a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, where I draft him because it looked like he was going to get the job. And I, I, didn't have a second closer. I was like, and now that that's just, you have to acknowledge failure at some point in time. I was wrong. We'll move on. And if he gets a chance later on, so be it. Cause I think that Arizona jobs can be pretty fluid all season long. Yeah, I agree with that. I have Chafin in a handful of spots, but I am fully prepared to drop Chafin when it, when, and if he sure. loses that job, I, I dropped number three hitter, J Jesus Aguilar uh, for the uh, A's because he's had like two RBI. Uh, Cause guess what? It, it's, you can't knock uh, in guys if there are no guys on and that, that's been a problem. The only guy from the A's I'm particularly interested in at the moment is Brett Brooker, and I just got him in Towers, so we'll see if he can help me out there. I, In a very weird state of affairs, I'm doing okay in home runs and runs in Towers, but I am behind in RBIs, and I think it's just because I have guys from the wrong, spart, wrong part of the lineup right now, so yeah. try, trying to boost that. But I don't know that Rooker's going to help that much because, like you said, the A's never have anyone on, so I'm trying. <laughs> Right. And, you know, the thing is that, that that sort of stuff tends to even out over the long run there. If you're getting the power, the RBI should follow. Another guy in a similar boat, although I worry about his playing time a bit because he is uh, one of these guys in a strong platoon is Jack Sawinski for the Pirates, who yeah. look, the Pirates are not a very good baseball team. And I don't think they're going to be leading the NL Central after Memorial Day. But there's no reason you can't ride a hot pirate streak in the early part of the season. Right. Oh, Totally. Totally agree with you on that. Um, and you know what? Uh, the thing is, sometimes you got to play a hot hander here or there. It's just Swinsky actually gave us an indication last year, too. This isn't like completely out of the blue. That's right. You know. Yeah, he was somebody I picked up a couple in a couple of spots last year when he had a nice little power surge there. In terms of the other thing that I find myself wondering about, and and it doesn't really paralyze my decisions, but it does give me pause. I don't know what the offensive environment is. I don't know if the ball is the happy fun ball. I don't know if the ball is going is just behaving in a certain way because the weather was super warm at the start of the season. I don't know how much of this is the rules. God bless you, MLB, for changing so many rules that it is impossible to disaggregate what thing has caused what other thing. Um, but I find myself a little bit cautious because you don't know really if it's just like two weeks of if the offenses were surging for two weeks for hashtag baseball reasons or if there are actual actual structural changes that make that a league wide thing. Oh, 100 percent agree. And going to the ball, it could change later this season, as we found out last year where there were multiple baseballs being used, uh, multiple compositions, at least. And you know, Dr. Meredith Wills is already asking for baseballs trying to get that and and MLB is do, making a concerted effort to stop her from getting the, you know, the results, you know, trying to prevent people from sending baseballs to her. Uh, come on, baseball. Uh, be better than that. 
Well, you know that means that they're hiding something. Of like, there's course. no reason to keep her from dissecting baseballs if the right. baseballs aren't going to show anything. So, right. if you if you get a foul ball, if you're a ball hawk out there at Wrigley Field, or if you're somebody who has access to baseballs, by all means, send those to Dr. Meredith Will so she can tell us what has happened to the baseball this right. season. Right. And the thing is, too, one thing, my one takeaway I get from all of this is it's incredibly hard to have any sort of degree of precision on altering the baseball. That's you think right. they, they're doing this one tiny little change and it turns out to be an order of magnitude bigger than you think it is. Well, you know, that that's that that's hard. I mean, you know what? Baseball, they own the company that owns the ball. So that's their job to get it right now and just be transparent. All I want to know is what we're playing. Just tell me the rules and I'll deal with it. Absolutely. Um, we talked about pitchers struggling. One of the things that is a go-to tool for me each week, uh, two of your tools, actually, you have the probable pitcher grid. Um, and if you're a subscriber at RotoWire, you can see all of the starts that are going to happen throughout the week. You can identify two start pitchers and you all do a really nice job of predicting um, who is going to come up when predicting those minor league call-ups and whatnot. What goes in to informing that probable pitcher grid for y'all? Well, thank you for uh, promoting that because it, it's been one of the tools we're proudest of. Uh, longstanding beat writers, Jason and Darren Brown, came up with this for us, and they've been with us for like 20 years, actually. And I just want to give them a shout out because they're not like a big name in the industry, but they've done so much to help us build RotoWire up. Uh, I mean, we're scouring team beat writer accounts, the you know, MLB official account, uh, you know, whether it's the athletic or the beat newspapers or MLB.com, we're trying to find whatever source we can and, you know, reading up on it as best we can. You can figure out the math on it sometimes in terms of like suspensions and call-ups when the pitcher last pitched all comes to play. One thing I'd recommend if you are using our site, you're using the probable pitchers grid first, upload your league into our, my leagues tool, uh, and then go to the probable pitchers page and then grid. And you can see, you know, put your, set it to your league and you can see who's available, who's on your team, and all that, it, it really makes it a lot easier, especially on Sundays when you've got multiple leagues to bid on free agents. Well, and if you're running multiple fab leagues, which I know both you and I are, I mean, Sunday fab is one of those things. I have to set aside a couple of hours to make yep. sure that I get it done. And on a weekend like this where I'm in California, rather than being in Chicago, I've got time zones to deal with. Want to make sure that I don't miss some of those earlier deadlines or Glarf has a pretty late deadline. We, I think it actually runs at like 11 p.m. Central yep. uh, or something like that. And so that's nice because you can get all that additional information to inform your bids. That's probably, probably why I overpaid a little bit for Matt Strom because I saw him going for higher bids in some of my other leagues. But that's right. okay. <laughs> he had 11Ks the other day. I'm hoping he can do that again for me a couple of times. Um, but yes, that My Leagues tool on RotoWire is also a great tool. And you can you can evaluate how your team is doing, can inform you to make some of those decisions. And I mean, I am, I have been a subscriber to RotoWire for a while now, at least the last four or five seasons. And it has never let me down. It always does a great job. It's great with draft prep. It's the tool that I use for draft software as I'm going through a draft, particularly a slow draft. It's great in a slow draft to inform your decisions. I love the color coding on the tiers. It helps me just really quickly see, do I still have a ton of guys at this position who I'm interested in? Or is there some, do I need to snatch somebody right now because I'm, I'm down to my last couple of guys in the tier um, and I need to make a move. Uh, another thing that I'm curious about is when you're looking at which, how to set up your lineup for the week, how much are you in using schedule to inform that? Like the teams that have five games, the teams that have seven games, the teams that might have a double header coming up. 
I, I try to do that a little bit, but not too much because, frankly, you can get into trouble streaming a dude that you think is going to play seven games. They only play four because pitchers change or whatnot. But I'm curious how you deal with that. Right. And you don't want to get gombered either. Um, so it, we both got gombered. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. It's less than fun. Uh, and there, there, it's not just him. It's Kopech now. I mean, it's guys that we think to, we should have been starting all along. And nope. Uh, so, so, you know, the point's been made a lot. Todd Zola and I were talking about this on Sunday. Sometimes finding the right one start is more important than finding two starts. Uh, just And th- th- the good news is there is a, seems like there's a lot, there's plenty of stratification now in the game, which it stinks for the teams on the bottom, but it means there's more teams for us to target. You know, that okay, there's Detroit, there's Kansas City, there's Oakland. Let's go get them. Red's on the road. Rockies on the road. Go get them. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. The teams that you mentioned there in particular, Detroit, although the Reds, man, I don't always love playing streaming against the Reds. Great American Ballpark is one of the most offensively live places (laughs) in the industry. Uh, I started dabbling a bit in daily fantasy this year. I'm doing the Tout Wars daily fantasy competition and just Mm -hmm. sort of around a bit more on DraftKings and and Great American Ballpark is second only to like Coors Field and Wrigley Field when the wind is blowing out in terms of offense. Right, right. So you want to get the Reds when they're traveling and you get them in Pittsburgh and they can't get one clutch hit the entire weekend. Um, so that that's what you want to do. And I, I've come to I'm kind of coming to grips with it right now. It's like, OK, well, good. Now they're going to get a higher draft pick. All right. Go Reds. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's rationalization. And it's 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 not a fun watch. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it there. The worst. And it's one thing when a team is bad, when they're boring, too. That's the thing that's frustrating. I think with the teams that are currently the very bottom of the league. So you're talking Oakland, you're talking Detroit, you're talking the Nationals. They just are not competitive at all. I, I've watched the Tigers a handful of times this year, and I it almost feels like there is no hope. And I, I hate I, I apologize in advance, Tigers fans, for saying that, but it's just one of those. They don't feel electric. They have Javi Baez on the team, and it feels boring. And I don't know how that is possible. Yeah, well, after a while, seeing him swing at pitches that are bouncing in the dirt and try to you know get the cricket hit, I mean, it gets less entertaining every each successive time you try it there. So I don't know. Uh, and the thing about the Tigers too is it's they built a lot on young pitching, and we all know how volatile that can get. And it got as bad. It, it ended up as bad as it possibly could. Mize is out. Scooball's out. We'll come back sometime this year. Matt Matt Manning's hurt again. Um, you know, building around young pitching seems fun and exciting until you see uh, like all the consequences of it and you realize the volatility that's involved. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about with pitching before we move on to our last question here, which is always the last question here on what the fab is. You know, I, I'm curious what you think about this. My metric for a pitcher, and it, there's a little bit of nuance here in terms of whether I'm going to roster them or not, is if they have a two-start week coming up and I can't fathom rostering them for a two-start week, I feel as if they are a cut. Uh, right. if I, if I'm not going to take a chance on your two starts and admittedly, not all two start weeks are the same. Like there's a two start week against the blue Jays and, and the Rays. Maybe you don't want that start for a middling pitcher and you would still want to roster them because you're fine playing them when right. they have Miami on the schedule or when they have Detroit on the schedule or whatever. But for the most part, if you've got a two start pitcher who is facing say the Cubs and the Cardinals and you don't feel like you can roster them at that point, they're gone. Right. Um, and that's helpful in finding a cut. You know, it's less, less, you know, if you're not going to, it's one thing not to roster him, not to fab him. It's also another thing like, okay, who can I not afford? You know, let the waiver wire be your bench. If you're in a, in a tight spot, you can go, there's no rule against going back and picking him back up again. Um, in fact, that that's exactly the type of player that should be 
pretty fluid. The bottom spots in your roster. They have a two-start week. You can't start them. Well, you might as well cut them. At least nobody else is getting that two-step. That's absolutely right. You can keep your other league mates from accessing that player for a bit and also save yourself some grief when they're about to give up 13 runs uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays or something like that, which, by the way, the Rays this season are unbelievable. I I don't think I've ever seen a start to a season like this from any baseball team, and it just seems kind of magic down there in Tampa Bay right now. Right, and all the cheapskate owners are going crazy seeing this happen. I'm like, why can't we do this? Why not us? But the problem is they think they can do can be us. Now Bob Nutting's like, see, I told you, I'm justified here, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Jed Hoyer literally said this during the offseason. Somebody asked him about their payroll, and he's like, well, the Rays do it, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you are the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, <laughs> money when the, the Rays came to Parker town to Cincinnati uh, last week, there was these stories in the Inquirer. Rays are providing this ray of hope. You know, they, then I think – Maybe you even pointed this out, uh, like the number of analytic people in the Reds front office versus that in the Rays. It's they dwarfs them. It's like 45 analytics people in their department. The Reds have two or three. I mean, yeah, go figure. They're better. Who knew? I don't remember who pointed that out. I definitely retweeted it, though, because the gap between some of these teams was was massive. And it's very clear that part of what the Rays have done is hire smart people who are making smart decisions. And and it's not magic. It's literally just having like 60 dudes whose job is to parse data and make intelligent decisions, which other teams have not caught up to. Um, and it's not just the Reds, who I think were at the they were at the lower end. Oh yeah, of that lo- table left, They're, hanging out with the Rockies, yeah, yep. <laughs> the Nationals. I was like, it's a very predictable set of teams there. The Cubs were right in the right, right in the middle, a little bit off to the middle. But even then, it's like Jed Hoyer has never demonstrated that he is able to do what the Rays do. He has never demonstrated that he's able to maximize contracts in the same way or maximize platoon advantages in the same way as as evidenced by Luis Torrens and Edwin Rios having roster spots while Matt Mervis and Christopher Morrell rake in the minors. So stop trying to be the race. Just try to be the Cubs. Take take the money that you earn at Wrigley Field and spend it. That's the way you can win. Do what the Padres are doing. It will work. You are not a small market team. You're not a small revenue team. This is not Penny's boat. Let's go. Let's go spend spend the money. Go. You have this whole neighborhood. You don't need to just have a stadium. You have a whole complex around you there. Go spend the money. It's literally a whole fan experience. Um, speaking of fan experiences, one experience we have here is, is being new to fantasy baseball. And my, my question for you, the question we always end the show with is, uh, what is your best piece of advice for a newish fantasy baseball player? Something that you wish you had known when you started playing this game and how you, and how they can get ahead in their leagues. Hey, try to find a live draft. If you can, uh, is, is the best thing, get connected to the people you're playing with. You know, I, I'm, I got started in fantasy baseball, uh, right after college, um, in like 94, 594 is my first year is actually right after the strike year um the the canceled world series uh year but uh you know i these are college friends that i was with together we did a live draft i still am in this league i still keep in touch with these people it's so much more fun when you make that connection i mean and sometimes you're only the easy entry is online that's the best way only way you can play that's great but if you ever get a chance to be in a live league do it uh, and then pick up the phone, call these people, talk to these people, you know, and you can do trades easier that way. Cause let's, let's face it. Most people that don't play the NFBC, I, we, I love the NFBC. It's my favorite format, but get a start somewhere. And, you know, if you don't want to jump in the, the deep waters right away, get in a home league somehow. Um, and you know, when someone asks you to get in a league, say yes, if you can, I'm, I'm in a league with like parents of my kid and my kids' classmates. 
Um, and I, I need another league like I need to hold my head, but I'm absolutely going to do that because it's it's a live draft and I made friends forever because of that. The live draft point is a really good one and not something that anyone has mentioned on this show so far yet. I, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. So we do a live, gra- a live draft for Glarf, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite days of the year. It's really fun to see everybody. It's fun to watch them like make their picks and their process and whatnot. The banter back and forth is fun. But I also feel like, and I'm curious if this is true for you, you just feel more committed to the league itself and to the process right. when you know all of the people. Like, I, I don't usually quit on leagues. Um, I try really hard to stay competitive, even if things are struggling and to try to make moves through the end of the season and whatnot. But it is a lot harder to quit on people that you've hung out with for a few hours. And particularly in an experience like Glarford, I know you're in Scarf, uh, you have the the earth network. Like you want to have an active league where everybody is playing and trying to win that league overall price too. And so it's nice to have that commitment of people. We have a DM group uh, for all of Glarf where we're talking through fab conversations, talking through the waiver wire week each week. And frankly, um, asking people if they want to come on our shows, because a handful of us have different podcasts and whatnot. And when we need a guest, somebody from Glarf will always step up and do that. So I love what you said about having those personal connections with your leagues as opposed to just online connections. And just reminds us why we're doing it there. I mean, we love baseball, but we also love the game. We love the competing with our friends. We love the connections that we're making. Well, and related, uh, I got to meet you in person for the first time at First Pitch Arizona this year. We yep. didn't get to hang out quite that quite as long as I would have liked, but we will definitely run that back this fall. And that's another great place to go meet some people in person and maybe find find yourself a live draft if you don't have one yet. Exactly. And it's a great way to get involved if you want to be a writer in the community or a podcaster or whatever. You want to start playing in Tout Wars. You want to start playing in another expert league. You know, Get to know these people. Get to know everybody. We won't bite, I promise. <laughs> yeah, everybody is super, super cool. Uh, First Pitch Arizona was one of the most fun experiences that I've had. I will certainly be back this fall. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this was a helpful uh, dive into the first few weeks of data that we have so far, the way we're making decisions and the tools that y'all have at RotoWire that can help people make those decisions. What are you working on at the moment and where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can ha- hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. If you want to check out you and I appreciate all the, uh, you know, all the promo that you did for Rotowire. you guys can check out a free trial peek behind the paywall. Just go to rotowire.com slash pod. Don't need a credit card. You just put in a valid email address. Off you go and check out all of our tools there. And, you know, obviously we're writing up fa- uh, free agent articles. We have a midweek one. Todd Zola has his weekly article. Jason Collette has his weekly article. James Anderson does incredible prospect and dynasty work. Uh, check it all out. And of course, uh, multiple uh, podcasts and we do it for multiple sports too. Uh, I love baseball. I also love football too. So you can guys check it out. Rotowire.com slash pod. I mean, I'm happy to do the promotional work for tools that I use that help me win my league. So I'm happy, happy to do it. And definitely you should take Jeff up on that offer for the promo because it's, it's unbelievable. You'll, you'll, it will change the way you manage your fantasy team and change the way you make decisions and for the better in my experience. Um, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find the show at at what fab and you can find all of our content on the fans First sports network, but be sure you're following fans First sports uh, for all of our updates throughout the season until next time.